What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Winning Cures Everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in. Winning Cures Everything. It is the Sunday, October 10th edition of the show. I'm Gary. I'm Chris. And y'all, what a magnificent weekend of college football. No, it did not go well for Chris nor my team. But that's okay, because college football delivers in a way that I don't believe any other sport does. It's just unbelievable the things that you see on a week out or weekend week out basis, right? Chris, tell me if I'm wrong here, but uh, this season is more unpredictable than any that I, that I can ever remember. This is more unpredictable yeah. than 2007. 2007, absolutely. People have compared it to 2007 so far. I think this blows 2007 out of the water. Uh, we, we yeah, we've had 40 some, teams that are ranked that have already lost, yeah, and that, that we, blows 2007 out of the water. In 2007, we didn't get a lot of chaos until like the last four weeks of the season. We had like five or six teams that were playing great and looking amazing, and then the last four or five weeks, they all began to crumble and fall apart and, and have weird, shaky things happen. I feel like it all happened at the end, which is why we remember it the way we remember it. This, I'm talking from the, the coming out of the barrel of the gun, this thing has been chaotic. Yes. No, it, it has been uh, bonkers, to say the least. And, and last night, so we didn't get a ton of upsets early. Right, it, we we were waiting for we we almost did. We got a lot of close games. Poor boy, I almost had the biggest day of my life, and then a couple of teams fell apart. Yeah, yeah, uh, a few did, a few did. Um, but yes, it was just so frustrating, so frustrating to to want those upsets early and you yeah. don't get them, and then it is what it is. So Justin Simpson jumping in. I forgot there were games yesterday. What a boring day. <laughs> Hey, I will tell you this. Uh, let, let's go on and start with this. Uh, Fury Wilder last night. Ooh. While we're waiting for, for more people to click in. Uh, oh, my God, Gary. What a, what a fantastic of, that's, fight. That's one of the best heavyweight fights I've ever seen in my life. 
It uh, really yes. is. Now, it's not Hagler Herms, but those guys came out throwing punches immediately. Yes. I yes. didn't see that coming at all by Wilder. I didn't at all. No, I, I same here. I mean, he what it was third round he got two knockdowns or or No, round? no, no. It was it was uh I think it was like the fifth round. Maybe I'm Either wrong. Way. It might have been the third. No, it, no, because, yeah, I was having streaming delay problems. It, it was later. It was like fifth to seventh round, something like it that. Was, it was somewhere around no, there. No, it, but it was in the seventh. Because from the seventh until the open, yeah, the Fury end of it, was Fury yeah. dominated. He but dominated. It was that before one. that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, we, we've got some more people streaming or, or tickling in here. So we'll we'll continue on with, uh, with this stuff. But, yeah, uh, that fight was magnificent from the word go. Like and I, I was so worried that we weren't going to get uh, the tide game done early enough. You know, I it, it, I had so many things going on. I was watching Nebraska screw up against Michigan at the end of that game, and I at, watching Alabama, and I'm watching. Uh, I'm trying to keep up with like Nevada and uh, whoever else, uh, uh, New Mexico State, because New I Mexico a, State, yeah. <laughs> I had a uh, I had a late cover on that one, thank God. But uh, but yes, it was just a, a crazy, bizarre night. So let's go on and, and dive into the stuff that we need to get done. First off, go to winningcureseverything.com. That is the website. Everything you need to know about us, you can find right over there. Very easy to do. Uh, all the podcasts, all of the videos, all of our different shows. Chris hosts a college football show for Sportsbook Review. You can find it at sbrpicks.com slash NCAAF, or there is a link in the description for that. I host the college football show for BetUS. You can find that link in the description as well. Uh, you can also just search out either one on YouTube. Very easy to do. Uh, so with that said, uh, the show is brought to you each and every time by BetUS, where the game begins. You can get a 125% sign-up bonus just using the promo code NCAAF2021. It's up to $2,500, and it is sportsbook exclusive can't tell you enough how great of a deal this is. You need to take advantage of it while you can. Uh, if you have not signed up at BetUS, I can vouch for them. Because, not because I work for them now, but because I have used them since I've turned 21 years old. Like, this sports book has been around forever. So, go and check it out. BetUS.com. It's where the game begins. Uh, if you guys would like to jump into the chat, you are more than welcome. Justin Simpson already has. And uh, we've got, you know, multiple people watching. If you would, like the video for us and make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Hit that notification bell so that you know when we go live. Uh, Chris, I guess let's let's go on and, and dive into it. We're already five minutes deep, so let's let's tackle the big story of the evening. Texas A&M 41, Alabama 38, and this was just a classic ballgame. First off, kudos to CBS for actually getting... Uh, maybe the game of the year in the SEC because I would imagine the ratings on this are going to be gargantuan, just yeah. beyond uh, anything that they could have expected going into the game considering it was an 18-point spread. Uh, Alabama, all the different streaks are, are over, right? Saban yep. is no longer undefeated against his assistants. He no longer has the 100-game winning streak against unranked teams, uh, which I don't know that A&M deserved to be unranked, but... If you look at their last two performances, oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get so. you get a loss to Arkansas, no big deal. You get be at home against Mississippi State. You yes. absolutely deserve to be unranked. But That's, it goes to show what the season is right now, right? That's right. Like it's it, it it's it's a chaos season. It's uh, as as Josh paid over two four seven would say, it is a renaissance season. It's been insane. Uh, <laughs> Paul Feinbaum uh, was on this morning. He said Alabama's defense against A&M was disgraceful. 
no, no. I that that is somebody that was not watching exactly what happened. Okay, I, I'm going to spiel on this for just a second before I let you jump in, Chris, because I know that you want to. But that's okay. No, fifteen. Uh, they played very poorly in the first half. Alabama did. Secondary was awful. Uh, defensive line could not hold up against the run, and it looked like A and M had the perfect game plan. Once you got Jimbo Fisher out of his script that he had created for this game, Alabama was significantly more successful. In the second half, when Calzada was not hitting uh, those those crazy throws at just a ridiculous accuracy rate, when he got out of that, Alabama's defense had a ton of success. It's just that they had dug themselves into such a hole that Alabama could not get out of it. You had to play almost perfect offense on the road in that environment, and that is really difficult to do to be able to dig yourself out of that hole. And then, of course, you give up the special teams touchdown after you get one of your own. It's just a, it's mayhem, absolute mayhem. But uh, they, Texas A&M did not get their first first down of the second half that was not provided via penalty until like three minutes left in the game. It was that, that game-tying drive. That's the first time that they actually earned a first down in the second half. So the defense actually put the clamps on. That That's what allowed Alabama to get back into the ballgame. Uh, but this looked like a team that had prepped for Ole Miss for a very long time and did not even think about Texas A&M. I mean, it, it did not even think about them. So yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll let you jump in here. No, it's just strange. Uh, you brought that part up. I'm, I'm going to comment on that. It's strange to see a Nick Saban team look like they're not prepared. And, and, he's been, and been talking about it all year. All and they, year. And they absolutely didn't look like they were prepared at all. It looked like he did. He jokes about he, you know, not jokes because the guy didn't have a sense of humor at all. He he talks about how oh, I don't like losing to anybody, but everybody knows like he doesn't want to lose to Lane, right? Yeah. Like like that's somebody that he will give all the coach speak in the world, but he doesn't respect at all, and and doesn't like at all, and and so. I, I don't I just know think, about that. No, that's, by the way, yep, that's one hundred percent true. That's one hundred percent true. Everything else you see is just that's all for the cameras. That's all. I'm not going to be openly an asshole, but you, you, you yeah, know it, those people that don't I'm like somebody, but they're still going to say all the professional things about them. No, right? I guess I guess you're right. Yeah. So anyway, uh, there's he he didn't like anything. What would he like about Lane? By the way, what what would he like? I don't okay? I don't think that they because, would hang out. I think that he likes uh, his football mind. I, 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 think I, that, I don't. I don't. I, okay, who cares about that? No, nope, that agree, matter. Agree. That's like that's that's irrelevant. <laughs> I I just I just think I just think that that you know he put so much into that that for the first time in a long time, maybe the first time you know you know in, in a real long time while at Alabama, he just said I care about this game more than all the rest, and and the very next game he just wasn't ready for. Yes, yes, you're right, Mike. Because that was a hundred percent not prepared. And Jimbo and them were absolutely as prepared as I could see. Let me tell you the difference of this game. It was Calzada was unbelievable. What Calzada did is nothing short of miraculous this week, yesterday. The thing that surprised me the most is Mike Elko put together a defensive game plan that shook Alabama's offense. It caused Alabama to make mistakes that Alabama does not make. They fumbled the football. They jumped off sides. False started more times than I could ever imagine an Alabama team doing. Uh, They were were 
getting rattled. Uh, Young was overthrowing guys. He was underthrowing guys. Like his accuracy was all. I mean, he was. He looked like he was shooting with a shotgun and not with a with a sniper rifle like normal. It, it was just one of those situations where what Mike Elko did. Listen, all that money Jimbo got. Mike Elko better be standing over there waving his hands to all those A and M boosters saying, "Hey." That nine point five million, I I need to see my piece go up. We're going to oh, yeah. change the game for what assistants make. I know I'm already making more than most every assistant coach out there. I need to be making more than half the uh, the head coaches in in college football right now. Yes, at A and M, where 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 it really is a a football school, and they have the money to do anything in the world. Mike Elko needs to be the highest paid coordinator right now. That's in a world where Brett Villables is still probably the best defensive mind there. Doesn't matter. Results are all that matters. And I mean, that man is one A one B. Like it really might be. It, oh, you you might be right. I just I've seen I've seen Vittables do it for so so long. Now the True. difference is I've seen Vittables do it against a caliber of opponent that's just not great all the time. So maybe that skews my uh, my mindset of him. It totally totally fair. What Elko was doing in that first half, especially where he Holy was bringing shit. where he was bringing uh, two different defenders right up the middle, but he would bring them from different areas, and you didn't know. He'd bring three guys up, and he would bring two, but you never knew exactly which ones were coming in, right? And every time he did it, nobody has tried that really on on Bryce Young this year. And and it completely shook Bryce Young. It completely shook well, him. It, I've, I've said this forever. It's really hard to do, and it's a gamble, because when you miss, receivers go for 15, 20, 80 yards, doesn't matter. But the best help you can ever give your secondary is a great pass rush. Like I, I've, I've told you before, if I could build a football team and I had to be great at a position and weak at another position, which means you just can't be great everywhere. I would rather have a great front seven in a weak secondary, even in today's game of throwing the football, because so many quarterbacks don't a, it's not just, well, this, I love it when people used to say, oh, well, Tom Brady really hates it when you, when you come straight up middle at him and you, and you, and you hit him in the mouth. Nobody likes getting hit in the mouth. <laughs> like, like, I love it when commentators do that. Like, well, he really doesn't like that. Do you know a quarterback that likes standing in the pocket and getting their ass rocked? I, Cause I don't, I don't know anybody that does that. And uh, uh, amazingly enough, Bryce Young doesn't like it. And yeah. when he gets hit a couple of times, amazingly his throws you don't have to cover guys Alabama guys were wide open and balls were bouncing on the ground in front of them are going yeah. way over their head well because he didn't have time to set right he didn't well, have time to I do don't anything. think it was so because some of those throws he had time I think it was the two plays beforehand he got put on the ground he got hit really hard and now I'm getting the ball out faster than I want to and I'm not as accurate or I'm guessing where I think the receiver is going to be and he's not really there yet um but that's what happens in football. That's why you have to pressure the quarterback. Yes. Yes. Uh, let me jump into these comments right quick. Larry Pilgrim just jumped in, said, Morning, gents. Good to see everybody in here, of course. Uh, Big Smooth was getting ready to surf the YouTube and like a glorious sound, abracadabra. What's up, fellas? <laughs> nice to see you, Big Smooth. And Mike G, how does the Mississippi State Calzada become this Calzada in one week? Um, so here, here's the deal. This was the 11-year anniversary of uh, Steve Spurrier and... South Carolina and Steven Garcia having the game of their lives in Columbia against number one Alabama back in 2010. And Steven Garcia was not an all-SEC quarterback. He was not uh, even a, a good quarterback that year. Like He was serviceable. He was fine. 
But when you have athletes, when you have players that can make plays so long as the quarterback is having an incredible ball game, then yes, you are going to be able to make plays against an Alabama defense that, uh, for whatever reason, so it, my, my dad actually sent me this last night, said, uh, it's obvious Alabama spent all of August and September working on uh, Ole Miss, and now they can't play their Ripley's matched man stuff anymore. They looked completely out of sorts in that first half, and part of it was because Calzada was hitting everything. Everything. I mean, it was unbelievable. that he, he did not have a ball hit the ground in the first half. Like The only incompletion was an interception. Now, in the second half, they got everything kind of sorted away, but when you have such a magnificent first half, that second half, you're, you're pulling from behind, and it's way tougher to come back from 14 down, and you need perfect execution in a hostile environment, and it's almost impossible to do. I mean, just right. it, it, it's, you can't do it. Can't do it. The difference between this game and the Florida game for Alabama is Alabama went up 21-3 to against Florida, and in this game, they were down 17-7 to uh, before you could snap your fingers. I mean, it was, it was super, super fast. So, yeah, this, uh, this was interesting. Um, it, it, was, it was very much a Steven Garcia kind of game. Alabama outgained them 522 to 379. Uh, they outpassed them 369 to 285. They outrushed them 153 to 94. They held the football for 34 minutes compared to only 26 for A&M. But Alabama had two turnovers. They had eight penalties for 82 yards. Uh, they lost both of those battles, and I, they did not look uh, like a like a well coached football team for the majority of that game. They they, no, they just did made not mistakes take- that, that they normally don't make. Some of that, I think, I I think the other team caused that. I think oh, yes, the whole, yes, yes. I would say this: the crowd noise caused it. Yes. they did some of this stuff. They did at the swamp as well. This might be a thing where if they go on the road. They might not be as dominant as we expect. When they play at home, different story, yeah. still dominant. When they're on the road, they're not above getting beat because I think they could have lost, should have lost that Florida game. So so here is what the remaining schedule is, by the way, if we want to talk about road games. Uh, at Mississippi State next week, night game. Going to be interesting, I think, in Starkville. And then you've got Tennessee at home, LSU at home, New Mexico State at home, Arkansas at home, and then at Auburn to end the year. So, we shall see what ends up happening there. Uh, the fourth down calls um, late in the game where, where Saban decided to go for field goals. He, I will tell you what he was thinking, right? The, the EPA risk there tells you you should have gone for those. Fourth and two, well, yes. fourth and two and a half, whatever. Uh, but Saban's thinking, and I understand where he was coming from, and if you look at it, like they did come back and grab a 38-31 lead. His defense had completely shut down A&M in the second half. The only points that they scored was on a 96-yard kickoff return. So the offense was not moving the football on them, and he thought, well, we just got to get the points here, and then we'll be fine. But, uh, I mean, it's... <laughs> what do you, like, That's the problem, right? When, when you have a first half like they had, and then you give up a, a special teams touchdown, you put yourself in a position where all they have to do is drive and score a touchdown to tie the game, and then you got a whole new ball game. It was 38-38. So... You you have to take advantage of those situations when you can, uh, because you never know what's going to happen. Like, it's nuts. It's nuts. Well, this is this is this is Saban being being bad with the analytics, but he's never his team. So this is the problem with being so good. 
is when you get into tight games, you're not used to this. You're not used to making these decisions, so you tend to make them wrong. Teams that are in tight games all the time because they're not as good have practice at these things. Yes. And 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 I'll tell you, I mean, it. you know, you, you can say what you want. That last touchdown wasn't a touchdown. It's 100% a false start. That false start was called on Ole Miss last week at – at Alabama where all the guys weren't set, but yet you snap the football, you throw the touchdown easily because nobody's guarding the guy. Like, like, you know, if you get that penalty, you're kicking another field goal because that's what Nick would have done because that's a safe thing because Nick only knows how to play it safe because he's used to destroying people. He's not used to being in hard fault games. And when he gets into tight games, he tends to make mistakes. Yes. No, you're, you're right. You're hundred percent right. So this was uh this was eye opening. It was it was crazy. Um, if you look at the advanced stats and all that, post game win expectancy in this game, Texas A and M ninety percent. This was not a fluke, even with all the yardage and all that. This oh, they is dominated exactly the football game. They uh, really did. Uh, the second half of the football, Bama fought hard to come back. They dominate the football game. Yes. Uh, the scoring opportunities in this. This will tell you all you need to know before we move on to the next one because uh, we got we got a lot to run through and we don't want to take up the whole show with this. But yeah, scoring right. opportunities. Uh, times that Alabama got inside the A and M forty yard line, they got in there nine times, only scored thirty points. Texas A and M got inside the Alabama forty six times, scored at thirty one points. That's all you need That'll to do. Know. That's, like that'll, that's, that'll that's and that's ball game. Uh, Big smooth that said, uh, Gary, if you could please pass a note to the athletic director to cover next week would be helpful. Cuss word, cuss word. Uh, he said, I appreciate y'all and is y'all's lunch invitations to Logan maybe next year. Uh, yeah, why not? Sure, <laughs> we're always open for lunch. Let's uh, let's do it. All right, Cruz, he uh, he jumped in Cruz Madrid, and he said. Hey, Gary and Chris, good morning. My Sooners need to start Caleb. I'm sorry, I like Spencer, but I think Caleb wins us more games. Go G-Men, by the way. Uh, Yes, we we try and knock out this show before the NFL stuff. Uh, Red River. Red River comeback. Red River whatever. I mean, like, this is, this was nuts. Oklahoma 55, Texas 48. Texas led 28-7 after the first quarter. They led 38-20 at the half. They led 41-30 after three. And they lost the game 55-48. Um, Kennedy Brooks, 33-yard touchdown with three seconds left. He was unbelievable, over 200 yards rushing. The the Kennedy Brooks and B. John Robinson show was awesome. But yep. the, the turning point in this game, and do you remember me talking about this in the preseason, how I don't think the best quarterback on, on the Oklahoma roster was Spencer Rattler? Like, it, it's been Caleb Williams the whole time. And it's not that Caleb Williams is a better pure passer. Caleb Williams is a better player overall. Like we, Spencer Adler has a little bit of the the Adrian Martinez thing, like he he does a lot of things well, but you put him into pressure situations and he's going to find a way to as you would say to cock it up, yeah. And and that's what he had here. Um, <laughs> Ethan Broom, this is such a stressful year to be a fan of the Irish. <laughs> I disagree. I think uh, it's exciting. I think it's fun. But anyway, so I want to I want to get to I want to get to what Cruz said first. You don't owe you don't owe Spencer Rattler an apology at all. No. At all. You you shouldn't feel bad either, by the way. That guy's a punk. That guy's a piece of crap. And and he's a pretty good quarterback. Okay? For those that but haven't seen the uh the inter- not the interview, the video of him in high school, is this what you were talking about, him being a punk? Well, but yeah, but he's he's that same guy here. Like what he was at 17 in high school, I'm not gonna kill a guy for, but it's a sign of of your character. And if you never grow out of that. 
then yeah, that's what you are and you're a piece of crap. This dude thinks that the world should bow to him and he's so sensitive. And even, even, uh, 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 Lincoln Riley like is still in the post game like protecting his feelings. He won't give Caleb the credit that he deserves. Hey, he by won't the way, let, let me talk let me to the you. media. He okay that so that situation after the game, Holly Rowe comes out. She she said I wanted to talk to Caleb Williams. Caleb thought that he was going to have the the post game interview, and Lincoln said no. Lincoln wouldn't let him talk to the and I, I get it because he's like. A lot of coaches do this with like young players, but that's that's no, a no, massive no, no, moment. No, 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 no. A lot of coaches do that with young players at the podium. They don't let them take firing shots at the podium from lots of sports writers. Right, right, right. When the game is over and you're the winner, those interviews are the biggest puff pieces you can get. Yes. Nobody is asking you hard questions. Nobody is challenging anything at all. It is all a feel-good story on the field right after you won a big game. That is that is all that is. That is massive for your brand. And trying to protect Spencer by, by putting Caleb in a closet, if I was Caleb, I'd be pissed off. And me and my head coach, I was a pretty respectful guy when I was a young guy. I would never want to stand up to authority like this. But me and my head coach would have a conversation about, hey, man, this is not okay. You want to protect me from all the vultures out there? That's fine, and I appreciate it. But this is not a vulture situation, and you know it. You know it. You're trying to protect that other guy's feelings that I have beat out, and I have earned this job. And all this two-quarterback talk has got to stop. It's my job. I just beat that guy. I yeah. just won the biggest game of the year for us, and you need to go tell that guy to can it. Yes. Yes, 100%. Caleb Williams, uh, looking at the numbers, 16 out of 25, 212 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He also ran four times for 88 yards. The uh, the 66-yard touchdown was electric. Just yeah. unreal. Uh, yeah. Spencer Rattler on the other side, 8 out of 15 to start, 111 yards. That's 7.4 per clip. Zero touchdowns, one interception. And the offense just did not move with him well, in the game. Like let, me not- let me tell you what happened in this game. When he was in, they sold out to stop the run. You know why we didn't see any of those amazing runs while he was quarterback? Because they just put eight guys in the box and said, Spencer, we think we can play you man-to-man and stop everything you want to do. Yes. And you know what? They did. They did. They stopped everything he wanted to do, and they said, we just have to stop that badass running back. Yes. Yes, 100%. Uh, Texas on the other side, like Casey Thompson, 20 out of 34, 388 yards, five touchdowns, no picks. Uh, show me a quarterback with that stat line that lost a game. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you this. What sucked is, is the offense went away as soon as he hurt his hand. Yes. And you could see him on the sideline trying to throw the football, and he still made some throws, but that, that changed the football game because here's what's bad. Sark thought that even a banged-up case that could not throw the ball well was still better than putting Card out there. Yeah. No, you're, That's you're right. a damning indictment on Card, by the way. Uh, Xavier Worthy, by the way, wide receiver for Texas, nine receptions, 261 yards, had a 75-yarder. He had two touchdowns. Um, just unbelievable. Oh. The, the back and forth. Hey, the Marvin Mims catch for Oklahoma, by the way, uh, oh, that, that back shoulder like heading into the end zone was a thing of absolute beauty. Absolute yep. beauty. This was, like, for for old school guys like you and I that that like a good defensive slugfest, 
This was oh, still a hell of a lot of fun. No, this was, this was a great game. What I liked about this game is it was haymaker after haymaker, man. I mean, it was like the prize fight last night that we got. It was just – it wasn't matriculating the ball down the field. It was I am going for the kill every drive. Yes. I get four downs, and one of these four, I'm going for the house. It, it was it was absolutely ridiculous. Um, Oklahoma getting the ball back uh, with what? Da, 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 Three minutes da. left? I think, yeah, I'm trying to think. A, no, no, no. I think they, it was a, I thought right, it was here we go. There. All right, so they they scored, they scored a touchdown with uh, let's see, seven minutes left to tie the game at 41, and mm-hmm. then they got the ball back, uh, right afterwards on a a kickoff. Oh, like, the fumble. fumble, and yeah. that was like the complete That's, that changed the game. Like, yeah, I mean, it gave Oklahoma a lead. Now Texas did come back down. Uh, they they had a turnover on downs, but now Oklahoma yeah, but now Texas but now Texas is playing from behind when yes. the entire game Texas was playing from out front. Every score they got was a score to give them the lead. Every score Oklahoma was getting was getting to tie it. Now with that turn of events, it flipped everything. Yes, yes, you are correct about that. Uh, before we move on to the next game, we got a ton of guys watching. If you would so kindly make sure and hit that like button for us, we would definitely appreciate that. And if you're not already subscribed. Go ahead and knock that out for us, too. We would certainly appreciate it. Uh, moving on, game number three here, Iowa 23, Penn State 20. And it, it, so so tell me this. There was a lot going on yesterday. How it, much of this did you watch? It was on a TV the entire time. I, I Exact same here. I, I, you guys see I've got three TVs behind me. I've got one up here in the corner, and I've got three computer monitors. Well, four. Uh, I didn't turn on the other laptop yesterday. Didn't need to. Um, but I, I had games on basically every monitor all day and this one i paid close close attention to because penn state looked good early before clifford lost uh before they lost clifford to the hand injury right and i don't know what's going on hey by the way john uh, john Geelan jumped in said is radler done uh probably as the starter at oklahoma i don't know how no, you trade him back out there nope 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 let me let me because he has a because he has a head coach that is soft as hell, he is going to try to play this two-quarterback thing so he can salvage Rattler's uh, ego and because he's afraid of transfers. He wants to take all the transfers he can get, but that man is terrified of losing transfers. It's uh, it, Yeah, you, you might be right about that. Um, I've lost a lot of respect for Lincoln over the last two years. This is a guy that I thought was a great, great head coach, and now I, I think he's a good offensive mind, but but this dude, this dude's weak mentally. You you might be right. Uh, so moving back into this Iowa Penn State game, this uh, it, Iowa outscores Penn State thirteen to three in the second half. Uh, Mike G said Phil Parker's the best defense coordinator in college football that no one talks about. Go Hawks! Yeah, we so in our preseason uh, preview for this team, we talked about that. Yep. Phil Parker is fantastic. Like he he every year it's all but they lost this and they lost all these guys but they just develop them and they bring them on up again they bring in new ones every year and it's unheralded guys that just work their ass off year after year after year and and they play to a system and they play well again tell me if you've heard this one before uh Iowa wins the turnover battle four to one like (laughs) I mean four interceptions for Penn State at this the Roberson kid like, I feel so terrible for him because he was not 
ready for this situation whatsoever. Oh, no. You can't like, – to get thrown in in the middle of a game is a tough situation already. To get thrown in against probably the second – well, I don't say probably. It, I think it's definitive. The second-best defense in all of football right now, like that – and it's not just a, a good defense. This is a hawking defense. This is a defense that absolutely gets after you – and if you make the slightest mistake, the error of mar- margin of error is just zero against Ohio, uh, Iowa, and and they're going to take the ball away. They're going to take it away. Yes, yes, a hundred percent. John said, "Why was there such a huge gap between Clifford and Roberson?" Moment aside, the guy sucked. Um, so here's here's the issue. Uh, Roberson is a young guy, but he was never supposed to be the backup this year. Uh, Will Levis was supposed to be the backup, and Levis transferred to Kentucky. And Kentucky. you can't blame him because, like, Kentucky's 6-0. and Like, they're doing well. Uh, right, yeah, right now, that looks like a hell of a transfer. Yes. Um, Roberson, 7 out of 21, 34 yards, two interceptions. Like, did not play well. He had 10 rushes for 27 yards, but their offense was non-existent with him in the ballgame. It was just, there was nothing there. And the issue is, you, you never play a game expecting to have to play basically your third string guy especially on the road in that environment and sometimes the environment is just too big like we have seen Bryce Young going back to Alabama Bryce Young in certain situations has looked like the best quarterback in college football you put him on the road with a loud hostile environment like that against a really really good defense that can confuse you and Nobody's going to look good in that situation. No, There's and that's also with the greatest weapons in the world yes. on his side. Yes, and and Penn State's got weapons. They got some. Uh, uh, Dotson, yeah, but they're not. Know, but it's but it's not close. But it's not close. You're right. Uh, so this like to expect anything out of Roberson in that situation, uh, I, I I don't fault the kid. I don't fault him. It's not his fault. Like they, I will tell you this: Penn State spent more prep time this week. And I know this from people that actually work with Penn State. Um, they were they were ready for almost every situation, but they knew going in that you cannot lose Clifford. You could lose almost anybody else on that team, but you cannot lose that guy because you're not going to be able to build a big enough lead to to sustain something like that. Like it's it's just not. And Iowa field positioned them to death in that second half. Just played the – I mean, Kirk Ferentz, we already know he's a fantastic head football coach. But what he did in that second half was gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. The punts and, and the way that he played the game was was perfect. Absolutely perfect. So, um, I – late in the game, uh, you get that interception, like – you get the interception late, late, late. I thought that they were going to try and tack on, you know, some more more points there. I was, I don't know. It, it the, the whole the whole thing was, the whole end of the game. I expected something different, I guess. But why would you do anything different than that? Like, it, just pin them deep, it, make them try and, and do something. Uh, but they they get that late touchdown. That, by the way, the touchdown, forty four yard, like chunk play. Uh, Brian Ferentz as an offense coordinator is very surprising, very surprising to me. Uh, John said, Roberson's been there for three years. Um, <laughs> he said, uh, Akron versus uh, Bowling Green. Akron's third-string guy scored 28 on Bowling Green. Yeah, that's that's Bowling Green. That's a, that's a different story there. Uh, Roberson, like, he's just not as good a quarterback as, as Clifford. Or Levis. Like, he's a third-string guy at Penn State. 
I don't know what you want me to say. Like, <laughs> I don't. I don't expect big things out of a third string guy going up against Iowa's defense. I think that's it. So, uh, anything else you want to hit on on that one? No, it's fine. All right. This was. I, I think this might have been the game of the morning. Um, Ole Miss fifty two, Arkansas fifty one. I have talked a lot. I want you to jump in with this one. Yeah, I mean, it's a great game. It was back and forth. It's exactly what I expect from Arkansas Ole Miss. It's exactly what I think you were going to get here. I think these two teams are evenly matched. I think if they played this game nine times, I think this is exactly what it's going to look like, by the way, with possibly a different outcome three or four of the nine times. Um, Arkansas's defense is really, really good. It, but sometimes that just doesn't matter. You've got Ole Miss, you've got them at home, you've got this offensive firepower, and and they're going to to find weaknesses in what you do, and they're going to out-scheme everybody in the country almost. And, and as long as you can't out-athlete them, they're going to they're gonna hang a big number on you. Now, can they stop anyone? Well, they got the stop when they had to, okay? Yes. Because, because that's all it took was one or two stops in this game and, and, and that's the difference of the outcome. I loved Sam Pittman going forward on two to end the game. What I didn't like was the play call because in the fourth quarter, throughout the, the whole game, really, you, you were running the ball down their throat. You've got a better offensive line than their defensive front. It's not close. And you try some cutesy little trick play, not trick play, but cutesy little pass play that, that, that gets, as soon as it gets blown up, you're done. Like you have no shot. But if you were to try any kind of run play at all, I, I think you, I think you get in. I think they get two, two, two yards on them. Uh, they were getting two yards on pretty easily the whole game. KJ Jefferson played his butt off. And I just think, I really hated the play call. I, I think we get a different outcome if they run the football, and today we see this world differently. I, but I think so, too. One of the best games you're going to watch all year, by the way, oh, and yes. I bet a lot of people missed it because it was on at noon and they just weren't expecting it. Uh, Mike G. jumped in. Tory Taylor for Heisman. That's the, the Iowa punter. Yeah, he was yeah. he was magnificent. Um, in this ball game, Arkansas had 676 yards of total offense. Ole Miss had 611. Uh, but this is... I will, I will tell you this, and this is going to sound maybe ridiculous on its face, right? Arkansas was the better football team than Ole Miss. Yeah. They just were. I agree with that. But this whole philosophy that you and I have, have kind of come to terms with where great offense beats good defense every day of the week, mm -hmm. this is what we're talking about. Arkansas was able to to get some stops. They were able to get some but but when you have that explosive play in your back pocket like Ole Miss had time and time again, there's nothing you can do. Like there's nothing you can do. Uh Arkansas had 39 first downs to only 22 for Ole Miss. Ole Miss did not need first downs because no. here's the scoring opportunities, right? Once you get inside the 40-yard line, that's considered a scoring opportunity. Arkansas got inside the 40 10 times and scored 45 points. That's 4.5 per. <laughs> Ole Miss got inside the 40-yard line five times and got 31 points out of it. Well, there's three other touchdowns that you got to account for there. Like, they had explosive plays that Arkansas... Arkansas did have explosive plays, especially late yes. in that game once that defense was gassed. But overall, Arkansas was better set up to have sustained drives, to hold on to the football, etc. Um, the time of possession here, Arkansas held on to the football for 35-plus minutes. I mean, it's almost 36 minutes to only 24 and a half for Ole Miss. But it, you don't need 
the ball when you're scoring, you know, 75-yard touchdowns. Well, that's right. And Arkansas scored and, get, and gave Ole Miss the ball back, took the lead, gave Ole Miss the ball back with three minutes to go in the game. And I thought, well, that's not enough time. Oh, that's too much time. And and then they score fast. And then Arkansas has the opportunity to score and end the game with no time left on the clock. What th- the difference in this game was the difference between – this is not a knock on KJ at all because KJ played one of the greatest games I've ever seen him play. Um that's the difference between him and Matt Corral. Yes. Matt, Matt Corral doesn't care who your receiver is. Matt Corral is going to find guys open. He's going to throw guys open and he's going to destroy defenses. And so because he has that ability, he can run the ball so much better than everybody else when he's not the athlete that KJ is. KJ had Burks and KJ was hitting Burks for crazy amounts of yards Big hit, but his only big chunk plays were coming again to Burks, and and it's just that becomes predictable, and you can stop him from running when you know what side of the field he's going to roll out to and run to. Uh, with with Corral, you don't know they're going to send guys deep on both sides of the field, so when the ball snapped, you don't know which side he's going to roll out to, and so if he wants to to uh, to to rush the ball, then he can. Yeah, uh, Matt Corral, by the way, fourteen out of twenty one passing. 287 yards, two touchdowns. He also ran the ball 15 times for 94 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Snoop Connor, 12 rushes, 110 yards, and three touchdowns. I mean, just absurd numbers. Absurd numbers. Uh, Let's see, jumping into the chat, OBS Rum Drinker said, wow, this guy hates Lincoln. Uh, Looks like he's behind on the stream just a little bit. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> it happens. Uh, And Ryan McCracken said, had Bama first quarter, first half, and full game, A&M is making me work Sundays. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can I can buy that. I can buy that. So, K.J. Jefferson, by the way, 25 out of 35 passing, 325, or sorry, 26 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. He also had 20 carries for 85 yards and three touchdowns rushing. Uh, this was a just an epic, epic battle uh, and, and a lot of fun to watch. A hell of a fun to watch uh, game. So, uh, with that said, we will move off of that, and let's talk about another interesting game from last night, and that would be... Notre Dame 32, Virginia Tech 29, and this is one that is maybe warming the seat of Justin Fuente just a little bit more. Uh, Virginia Tech led this game 29-21 to with 3 minutes and 55 seconds left in the game and found a way to lose it in regulation. And Notre Dame is not exactly an explosive offense. Like, that's what makes this even more ridiculous is you were having some quarterback issues at Notre Dame. You were having all kinds of stuff... Um, Jack Cohn came back in, saved the day, you know, all that. If you look at the stats overall, Notre Dame, like, outgained them, but but it was it was nothing crazy. Like, 221 yards passing to 187, 173 yards rushing to 134, which, by the way, their rushing attack looked significantly better, uh, especially in that second half, I think. Uh, Tyler Buckner led the team in passing, 6 out of 14, 113 yards, one touchdown, two picks. Um but Jack Cohn comes in, 9 out of 12, 108, one touchdown. This was uh, – Notre Dame is just going to be like this all year. Like, it's going to be like this almost every game. They are just like the the cardiac Irish for whatever reason. They're the new Seattle Seahawks. They, they just don't yes. play normal football games. Every game they play, it's going to be weird. Yes. Like, it's just going to be weird. It's not going to look normal. It's not going to look the way you normally like to look at uh, it's just going to be different. It's uh, so so they scored a touchdown with two minutes and twenty six seconds left, mm-hmm. and and then of course you get right after that 
uh, three plays and out for Virginia Tech. And they kick the football back to Notre Dame with a uh, minute 49 left. Notre Dame drives 45 yards and kicks a field goal to win the ballgame. I I don't know what to make of it. Like, I, I just... It, you are... Virginia Tech was having an incredible evening. That's right. And... Blacksburg was an awesome atmosphere, by the way. Yes. Awesome atmosphere. Which, by the way, this across the board, college football crowds have been unbelievable, unbelievable. this year. Just... So good. So so that was that was part of it, but I I don't know, like I don't know what to do with Virginia Tech anymore. Like they, I feel like they they should have won this ball game. I do too. But and and yet found a way to clinch uh, a loss from the jaws of victory. And <laughs> I think, but see, hell now, I think some of that is Notre Dame took it. Okay, Notre Dame yes. forced the three and out. That defense is really 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 good. Brian Kelly. Coached a great game at the end of the game. He he controlled the 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 the, the play clock exactly the way he wanted. He he manipulated everything on the field exactly how he wanted it, and it all lined up right. It all yes. went right for him. But I think it it all went the way he designed the the end of the fourth quarter to go. Uh, Ethan jumped in by the way. Ethan Broom at one point seven of the eleven players on the field for the offense for Notre Dame were true freshmen. Yeah, in two years, that team is going to be righteous. Yes. Maybe next year. It, it's entirely possible. Because uh, we've seen sophomores be real good, too. But Yes, man. yes, you are right about that. So, uh, Virginia Tech, uh, I'm not going to say they choked it away. I'm going to say that Notre Dame took it away. And I think Notre this, Dame took it away, but I yeah. tend to give the team that won more credit than the team that lost. No, that, and that makes sense. I, I will say this. Uh, Brian Kelly, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I think is the better football coach there. No um, question, and that's that's why you and I both bet on on Notre Dame. By the way, our picks yesterday, you and I both went eight and three against the spread. Yeah, so not too not, shabby. Not too shabby. Uh, we got even more people watching right now. We appreciate you guys jumping in. If you would like the video for us, uh, if you've not already subscribed to the channel, subscribe to the podcast. All that fun stuff. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat. Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket. Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's dive into the next one here. Michigan, 32, uh, Nebraska, 29. And, brother, this is – if this wasn't an Adrian Martinez game, I don't know what is. I, I 
Let, let's just talk about the end of the game here. Uh, okay. Michigan kicks a field goal to tie the game, right? 29-29, because Nebraska had just scored to take a lead. Um, Michigan kicks a field goal with three minutes left in the game. Nebraska gets the ball back. Adrian completes a pass. He hands the ball off for a run, and on third and one, Adrian Martinez runs for three yards and fumbles. And I, I, I don't know, like, at what... You and I talked about this a lot off the air, and I will I will bring it up here. There is a clutch gene that some kids have that others don't. And Adrian Martinez is an incredible athlete, and he can make incredible plays when the game does not depend on it. That's right. And when it gets down to crunch time, and you have to have a play, and and not I'm not talking about turnovers or, or whatever, just like just don't turn the football over kind of stuff. That's it. We saw it against Michigan State. The worst pass of the game for him was the game or the play that ended it, right? He threw a pass, intercepted, ball game over. You had to have a score there. In this situation, you've you're in a tie game late. And and you're just trying to either drain the clock or make enough plays to get into field goal range. The only thing you cannot do there is turn the football over. And yet that's what happens. Uh, Ethan said, Adrian Martinez must bet against Nebraska every week because he makes the same mistake every week. Well, that's the thing. It's a different mistake every week. Like, it's, it all looks the same. But it's a mistake every it's week. It's a mistake every When time. he needs to make the play, he just can't do it. He just it, finds a way to make the mistake more than make the play. It is so frustrating to, yeah. to see because you know that he's good. If you look at the box score, 18 out of 28, 291 yards, three touchdowns, one interception – Ran the ball eight times for 38 yards, one touchdown. Like, he is the offense. He makes the whole thing go. And Nebraska has been pretty good. Their defense has been really good. But you cannot be a good defense when you get put in awful situations. And that's what Martinez does time and time again. And it's drive, it drives me nuts. Nuts. Because I, I want them to... I think football is better when Nebraska is good. Well, the game was exciting at least. Yes. So, so last night we can't say that this was bad Nebraska. No, okay? it wasn't because bad the Nebraska. game was unbelievable. The crowd was unbelievable. Uh, you know, I've got a couple of friends that I know that are Nebraska people, and they were at the game and they were tweeting pictures out in the game, and it was it was an incredible atmosphere, and their fans were rocking because they were in that thing and they felt like they had a chance. And it's been a long time since they've been at home in a big game where they felt like they actually had a chance to win it or to see something special in the fourth quarter. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I think that was okay. And that was important. It's just one of those things that when they have to make the big play to win, they don't. Uh, the post-game win expectancy in this game, Nebraska 62%. And so basically it, for those that aren't, aren't up on the advanced stat stuff, you take those same statistics that happened last night, and you play the game a hundred times. Nebraska wins at sixty-two out of a hundred. It, it's it's infuriating, like absolutely infuriating. Well, we haven't even talked about the team that won the game. What do you think of Jim Harbaugh right now? What do you think of this Michigan team? And what do you think of their record of six and zero? So, I think that Harbaugh figured out that no, we are not going to be Ohio State. We're not going to be Alabama. We're not like we don't have that talent. But we can have an identity, and we can be tougher than all these other teams that we're going to play. And 
so long as they play to an identity and don't make mistakes, they are a really good football team. Now, a really good. Let me tell. You, let me tell you who I think he's trying to be. I think, and I don't think they're this. I think he's trying to be Iowa. Yes, with a better offense, I think. A better offense, but not nearly as good of a defense. No, but no, no. still, we're winning the football game from the defensive front. We're trying to win the turnover battle. We're trying to take the ball away actively instead of just getting stops. We're 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 getting better at those things. I think that's what he's working on. And then from an offensive perspective, I want to run the ball and I want my offense, I want my offense to play more safe. But still, when the opportunities come for big chunk plays, don't be afraid of them. That's exactly what Iowa looks like, just not nearly as good on defense. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can I can totally agree with that. Trying uh, to be Ohio State, trying to be Alabama, you're exactly right. Is it working? didn't work for the first four years, whatever. Now we're going to be somebody different. We're going to be big 10 football because those things aren't big 10 football. There's a reason that the only team that's ever been successful playing that way has been Ohio state. And they just have so much better talent than everybody else. They have national greatness of talent. Nobody else in the big 10 has that zero other teams have that. Right. So I've got to be great at like the rest of the big 10. Yeah. Play, play to an identity. That's that's, the, right. that's the best way to do it. Like, just play to, to what you're capable of, and you can absolutely do it. Um, Mike, Mike G asked in the comments, took my breath away a little bit when he asked, over under uh, uh, turnovers from Martinez against Iowa. I am sure. Uh, let, let's set it at three and a half, and I would probably yeah. go over. Would Okay, what number would, would it have? So if it got to four and a half, would you go under? Or would, I might would still take the over because I feel like okay. I might get plus odds there. What, what about five? At five, I'm going under. Okay. At, at five, I'm I'm going under. There. Okay. I'm just trying to figure out how big of a number do we have to get to before before we actually say before we take an under. All right. I, do, I don't think he'll take that number. It'd have to be an even five. Like yeah. If it's five I, and a half, it's for sure an under. But I, oh, even yeah, yeah. five, yeah. I would even even the worst quarterback in the world doesn't turn the ball over six times in a game. They usually get benched. I I wish. God, I wish he was good. Like I mean, he's he's good. I just I wish he wouldn't make these these mistakes because it's so it's just heartbreaking. Like they want to be good so bad, and and I think that the sport is better when they are good, and yet we have this time and time again. So, well, this is the last year that he's going to be there because he's been there for about a shade under a decade. So, yeah, it's been a it's been a little at while. some point in time they're going to have to find another quarterback or they can't play football anymore. Um, Michigan, I was a little surprised that they uh, threw the ball as as much as they did. They they threw uh, 39 times. Cade McNamara was 22 out of 38. J.J. McCarthy came in through one pass. Uh, I, I thought they would lean a little more on Hassan Haskins and, uh, and Blake Corum. Corum, they only ran 13 times for 89 yards. I mean, he was getting 6.8 a clip. So, I don't know what the deal was there, but either way. Moving on from there, uh, we're going to try and kind of rapid fire a little bit through these. We once, Let's hit on Georgia-Auburn really quick. Uh, there's not much to say here. It, it was just a... It was a, it was a woodshed kind of game, and expe- exactly what we expected out of Auburn in this situation because Georgia's defense is just absurd, absolutely absurd. Uh, I don't know even what to say. Like Auburn gained 318 yards, but Georgia has this ability to play a bend don't break defense if they want to, but they also have the ability to play a, a don't bend and don't break defense. Like they can shut you down when they want to. They can create turnovers. They can. It, they're awesome. The Auburn's entire offense this season has been running the football. 
They only had 46 yards rushing on 29 attempts in this game. Backyard Bo was able to do some some crazy stuff in this game. He had 272 yards passing, but this was well not him. I, I take that back. T.J. Finley had a few yards and whatnot, but uh, but Bo Nix, 21 out of 38, 217 yards. He did have the one pick. George is awesome, and and Stetson Bennett. Uh, as much as everybody dogged him last year, like he is the saving grace here. Hey, but let me get your thought on this. Before the game, uh, Kirby said that JT Daniels, like it's a pain tolerance issue. Like basically, he's been cleared, he's good to go, but it's just like how much pain can he play with? I. So I know you got to be careful with like obliques and, and lats and, and all that kind of stuff, right? Because you don't want it to be a, a longer injury. But I'm. I'm real curious, like, does the team side with Stetson because he's he's out there? Like, it, it, does this become a locker room issue later on down the down the line? Why would you make a change? I don't I don't think you should. It's been, like, okay. Stetson Bennett has been incredible. 14 out of 21, 231 yards right. passing and two Un, touchdowns. Until, until we get in a game, until we're actively in a game and we're struggling to, to have an offense, why would you make a change? I don't I don't think you would. Okay. I don't think you would. So, so, so there's no need in even talking about the other guy. So really, just are, it just doesn't matter. Are we are we basically saying that uh, that JT Daniels is not the starter un- until well, yes? Like, I, I just find it a little strange. Like he's supposed to be the guy, and I don't think he's the guy. I, I don't know Stetson's why you would make a change. No, the mailman is the guy for Georgia. So, uh, let's let's dive into this one right quick. This is the one that that. I wanted you to discuss, and and you have wanted to discuss, Kentucky forty-two, LSU twenty-one. This was a thirty-five to seven ball game in the third quarter. It was uh, as ugly as you could imagine. Ed Orgeron came out after the game and said that he was surprised by Kentucky's ground game, and I don't know why you would be surprised considering they have led the league in rushing uh, yeah. for a while. So, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't get that. Uh, the the AD and the president of LSU were both in attendance at this game in Lexington. That is not on the sidelines. Yeah, on the sideline the entire time. Not a common occurrence. That does not usually happen. However, this is the first time that they've played in Lexington in forever. So okay, so that that so that warrants a special trip by the powers that be. I I'm I'm trying to not make as much. Out I mean, of if it. the first time they went to Vanderbilt, would they just go there too? Like, I, I mean, Nashville is a fun place to spend a weekend, but. Is Lexington? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> I mean, Daniel jumped in. He said, "He said uh, this should be good." <laughs> no, no, no. I don't care about. Listen, you're all going to be disappointed because I don't care about the game at all. Yeah. This is a throwaway game. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Here, I woke up and I said, "I want to talk about this because I woke up and for the first time, I was able. I had clarity. I felt. I felt like I, I'm going to use a weird word that I probably shouldn't use, but I felt peace. Like I felt like an yes. understanding of the situation." Here, here's the deal, and, and mainly because I see, I feel a lot of in common with what O's going through right now, right? Yeah. I I think Coach O has the potential to, to be a, a, a good coach for a time. I think he can come in in the midst of chaos and not settle the chaos, but uh, thrive in the chaos, Okay. But but once confetti falls and everything needs to settle and there has to be a level of consistency and and um, I'm not going to say the word professionalism, but like there's just a different way that things need to go about it. 
he struggles in those things. Okay. He's never been good at them ever. And which is why every time he gets an interim job, he does unbelievable. And it's why when he takes over a program, he immediately jolts that program. It's like a, a shock of lightning. Okay. Well, well, a bolt of lightning will set something ablaze for a minute, but at some point in time it burns out. Okay. And you just can't keep going. You can't keep doing it. He isn't the offensive genius to, to figure out any problems, to actually solve any problems. He's not the defensive genius that can actually figure out or solve any problems that the team may be having. He, he also, so, so the, anyway, I'm, I'm talking about a lot of his flaws. What I realized and what I understand is, is there's nothing wrong with being who you are. All right. I think he loves LSU and I think he's doing the best job he can. I just think that there's a level that we've gotten to that he's just not good at. And I think that's okay. I think it's okay. You don't have to hate the man. You don't have to, to, to wish awful things on him. You just have to move on. I've talked to you about this before. If you guys have followed this show for years and years back when I was in real management positions where I had, I don't know, 300 people working under me at a big corporation. I, I believed in a philosophy of people are get oftentimes get promoted to a level of failure. Okay. You're really good at something. And so we're going to move you up and then you're really good at that. So we're going to move you up again. And then we're going to get to a point where you're not good anymore. We've moved you up so high that now we kind of have to fire you because the morale of demoting you doesn't work. So you can't do that. This is what happened with it. I want I want to be really good at some things. Okay, I try the SBR show. Let's talk about that for a minute. The, the the SBR show that I do, I have found myself in a situation where I'm doing that show alone. And Gary, you know me personally. Yeah. You know my anxieties. You know the amount of work that I put into that show and how much I care about it. But I also really struggle with the fact that I. I know that I'm not great at it, and I know that I have a lot of flaws, and I know, but it is the best I can do. There, there is, there is no me giving any better. I, I study as much as I can. I watch everything I can. I write out as many notes as I can, and I still find myself getting into the show. And I, I literally forgot James Franklin's name. This is a man that we've talked about for a decade. I know uh, so many things about James Franklin that I shouldn't know. And I couldn't remember his name the other day. And so 45 seconds of dead air while I try to Google this man's name, you just get to a point where it doesn't matter how hard you try or how much you prepare, just some things you're just not going to be good at. And if you're looking for your identity in those things, you're just not going to be a happy person. And life's not going to go well for you. It's just one of those things where – I think what we had with Ed was unbelievable. All right. He, he thrived in the chaos of less miles. Okay. And, and, and in spite of extra chaos that we didn't even know about until this off season that less miles was bringing into the place. All right. He managed us all the way through that. He happened to build a team of coaches and, and talent in 2019 to do something that we've never seen before. We saw something kind of like it with Auburn and Gene Tizic and, and, and Cam Newton, but this was not that. This was, this was even greater than that. And, and I just think after that, it's one of those things where now I am the big dog and I'm playing from the front 
and this is not what I'm made for. I, I need to be the underdog. I need to be the guy that's doubted. And I need to, I need to be the guy that, that nobody's believing in. And right now, not only is everybody believing in me, but they're counting on me. That's a different kind of thing. It's a different thing altogether. It's a different job. And so I think it's time. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. Absolutely. The person that I think also, by the way, I, and I'm shocked that it's Sunday morning and we haven't gotten this news yet. The person that I think they're going to call to, to stabilize the season, which I don't know it's going to help us win any football games. I told you, if we didn't win the Mississippi State game, I didn't think we would win an SEC game the entire season. I'm standing by that because I don't think we're going to win an SEC game the rest of the season. I see the schedule. Um, the person that I think you call is the same person that is that, that, that LSU has turned to for the last 10 years whenever they need stability. It is the number one LSU man in the state of Louisiana, and that's Steve Enziger. Enziger. I I think that's who you call and say, I know you don't want this job. I know you don't want it, okay? I know you don't. I know you want to retire. I know you want an easier, softer life, but but the place you you. love, but the place you love is calling you because we need you. I won't ask you to do it more than this year, and after this year, you can go on and do anything you want. I just need you to come into this locker room and get these men under control and let them know there's a guy in here that's been where they are that's played in this field and and played in front of that crowd and knows what greatness looks like yes and he knows what these men are capable of because he was around when most of them were recruited and and i think we can see a different stabilizing team i don't know if that's going to happen but if i was the ad that's what i would have done this morning i would have had a really hard conversation with O, and then i would have had a i would have had to do the greatest sales job i've ever done in my life to get Steve, because I don't think Steve wants to do it. Uh, no, I don't think he does either. There's a reason why he retired. Uh, Larry said, Chris, you're losing everyone here. Move on. Larry, we don't have these situations very often, so I'm going to let Chris talk about this as long as he wants no, that's to. That's fine. We can move so, on then. Uh, it, it, LSU did lose Keshawn Butte late in that game. They were down 35-7 to at one point, like I said. Uh, this was a bludgeoning. Kentucky had 330 yards rushing on 45 attempts, 7.3 yards per clip, three touchdowns rushing. Will Levis uh, through three touchdown passes. Will Levis only had three incompletions in the game. 14 out of 17, 145 yards. Kentucky did whatever they wanted to on this. Uh, Larry said, much love. Uh, this, this is, look, LSU got out in a way that they do not get out by teams like Kentucky. And, and a lot of credit goes to Mark Stoops, right? Because talking about the team that actually won the game, Kentucky looks absolutely phenomenal right now. Yeah. Like, this is... Such a woke. If if there are programs that are looking for a head coach that do not call Mark Stoops, I and I don't know why Mark would take the job anywhere else because he has built such a good foundation in Lexington. Uh, do and, you think there's a reason that the president and the athletic director came to this game? You think they would actually? I mean, I could I could see it. Like Mark Stoops would be such a good hire in Baton Rouge. It's it's just ridiculous. Like, so here's what here's the selling point to LSU's coaching job, coaching search. This is how you sell it because it's the easiest job to sell. I actually think it's probably the best job in the country right now to sell to a up and coming coach yes. and or a great stable coach. Right now, we've won three titles in 20 years by three different coaches, two of which are nationally seen as buffoons. Yes, okay, which tells you it's not the head coach. If you can come here and not be a buffoon. You can win a championship. You can something win more than one. You're not doing at Kentucky. Something you're not doing at Ole Miss. Something you're not doing at Michigan State. 
this is something you can do because look at the last two guys who've done it. Yes. Uh, and, and by the way, for LSU, it's it, like you said, the schedule, it, it does not get easier. Uh, you've oh, got it's Florida. It's, the season's over now. Yeah, Florida, Ole Miss, Alabama, and Arkansas all in the next four. So yep. that's uh, that's going to be rough. We didn't talk about Kentucky at all. Kentucky's great. Kentucky's 6-0. and Holy shit. Nobody in the world saw this. They've got a clash coming up with Georgia that, that should be epic. There's a world in which this sucks for Kentucky because you're – you're going to be on a national TV scale level game with Georgia, and Georgia just is a, is a is a smoke show right now. They're just steamrolling everybody, and that kind of sucks. There are, I think, there are ways that Kentucky can stay in that game. They have to. I'll tell you this: they have to make they have to make Kirby Smart make a quarterback decision. They have to make this game so ugly from a defensive side to where to where George's offense is uncomfortable. Oh, and yeah. then they don't then they don't know who to play. And then you got Kirby making decisions. Once Kirby starts making decisions in games, he's usually bad at it. Yeah, like you're Saban. Right. You're they right. They play great from the front. They don't play good in the back. The uh this game was fourteen to thirteen last year, Georgia and Kentucky. So or fourteen to three, sorry, not thirteen. Uh, let's move on. Florida State thirty five, North Carolina twenty five. We talked about it before the game. We talked about it when we were making our picks. North Carolina with Mac Brown has never beaten Florida State at, from his early time there to now. And, look, this was not a fluke. There, there was nothing fluky about this. Uh, Florida State had yards per game edge, or yards per uh, play edge. They they outgained them overall. Uh, they, I mean, it was just, uh, the, the, whole, the whole situation here. North Carolina had 12 penalties for 110 yards. They... Lost a turnover. Florida State did not. Florida State was the better prepared team overall. Florida State didn't even have to score in the fourth quarter to win this game by double digits. I is there a team that was more overhyped in the preseason than North Carolina? I hey, I will tell you this. I don't know how many other people think this. I think Mac Brown might retire at the well, end of the season. I mean, this if this was the best you were going to have, and this is what you're getting, then then why are you still doing it? Because yeah. I, here's what's sad. I said this to our group text, and I'll say it now. I didn't until this morning. We were preparing for the recap, and I'm going through the schedule, and I'm going through the games last night that I didn't touch on at all, and I didn't watch at all. And I was just like, oh, I didn't see what that Florida State-North Carolina score is. Did, did North Carolina cover? Did Florida State cover? Like, what happened? And I noticed that uh, Florida State won the game and won the game kind of handily, and I thought, whoa, uh, I know it's a credence to a crazy chaotic Saturday, but how bad have things gotten in North Carolina that this was a top 10 team in the country preseason, and now they get upset by a double-digit dog at home, and it doesn't even make the news. Like, it didn't get yeah. – like, I didn't see a tweet about it by a national columnist. I didn't see it on ESPN. Like, nobody has talked about it that's not a North Carolina or a Florida state person. And I thought that's sad. Like yes. that's, that's really, really sad. You don't want to, be, you can be bad. Okay. You can be bad. You don't want to become irrelevant. But that's what that is. Virginia tech wrote the script for how to beat North Carolina. Um, yeah, but most and, dudes don't have the talent. Virginia tech does to do. You can get the script all you want, Gary. Right. If, if you ain't got the actors, baby, the play's going to suck. But that's the deal is Georgia tech has the same kind of athletes that Virginia Tech does. Florida State certainly has the kind of athletes that Virginia Tech does. 
I didn't I, think Florida State had the had the defense. I will I will tell you take ad. I'll tell you what surprised me in this. Uh Jordan Travis. Eleven out of thirteen pat like McKenzie Milton didn't even play. It, Jordan oh, no, Travis. But, but McKenzie Milton hadn't played in two weeks. Like right. Travis is the better quarterback. This breaks my heart to see, but yeah. Uh, 11 out of 13 passing, 145 yards, three touchdowns. He had 14 carries for 121 yards and two touchdowns. Yep. Just ridiculous. Uh, all right, we're going to try and steamroll through right, now we can the rest roll. of these. Uh, like, real, real roll. Uh, Utah gets a big win. Uh, you know, lost a teammate. They go into USC and dominate. 42-26 to 26 in this one, and it wasn't even close. The They, they were up, uh, what, 35-10, to 10, I think it was, at one point. I'm trying yeah, to they dominated the, the football game. I mean, just it, it just dominated. It, it was not even close. Um, it, you know, USC did put up a bunch of yards, 493 yards to 486 for uh, for Utah, but but 401 of that 493 was passing. Um, they they ran the ball 25 times for 92 yards, 3.7 a clip, had eight penalties for 90 yards, had one turnover. Like USC could not get out of their own way in this game. Uh, <laughs> rising and Lloyd, baby, for the Ute, said Larry. Yes, this was, like, Cam Rising, 22 out of 28, 306 yards, three touchdowns. Um, Thomas had 16 carries for 113 uh, yards and one touchdown, excuse me. And this is, it's like Utah got everything fixed, right? It, they, right. they had their bye week, they switched their quarterback, and they come back out. And now, like, I cannot wait to see Utah and Arizona State play. I think this is going to be a fascinating game later on in the schedule. Um, but Utah has played significantly better since the loss to San Diego State. Uh, and even in the second half against San Diego State, for them to be able to get that game into overtime was, I mean, awesome. Just awesome. Uh, by the way, the Arizona State game is this week. So, we'll see. Uh, I don't well, Arizona I, State looks good too right now. So, that's going to be an unbelievable matchup. You're talking about two two teams that... It's you a late know, game. Didn't look great. Is that Pac-12 after dark, or is it just like a 6 o'clock kick, 7 o'clock? No, uh, uh, 9 p.m. Central Time. Bad a boy. Yeah, That's what I was hoping for. Pac-12 after dark. It's going to be That's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm wondering, it, it, did game day decide that they're going to – have they announced? No. Uh, they nope, they haven't announced, announced anything yet. yet. That's it. They are getting later and later with these – I don't know where they're going to go next week. I, I figured they'd probably do Cincinnati, but either way, uh, I put out a video about that. Um but that's, that would be my guess, Cincinnati and, and UCF, just to give Cincy some love. Uh, Larry said, going to be a great game. It's for the South. Yes, it is for the South. You're 100% right. Uh, Wake Forest. Wake Forest gets a win. And, you know, I, I, I thought we were about to see some Carrier Dome magic here because Syracuse yeah. uh, has vastly improved themselves from the beginning of the season until now. And their defense has been better. I will tell you this: Garrett Schrader, the transfer from Mississippi State, that come or that came in as a quarterback, twenty nine carries for one hundred seventy eight yards for him and one touchdown. He threw uh, fifteen out of twenty seven for one hundred sixty yards, two touchdowns. Sean Tucker, the running back, twenty six carries, one hundred fifty three yards, two touchdowns. They were awesome, but Wake Forest was just a smidge better, just a smidge better. I was uh, I was a little bit shocked. At, at what happened here, I thought Wake Forest should have been able to handle this game, but obviously road environment. Syracuse has been playing better. Syracuse three and three on the season right now, but Wake Forest six and zero. Oh, they are four and zero oh in the ACC for the first time, I believe, ever, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it, but if it if it has happened before, I'll tell you this: it was a long, long time ago. Dave Clawson is another one that you need to be watching out for as far as jobs. Um, 
I think I think we might begin to see a shift not towards like the young up and coming guy, but the guy that can provide stability. Mark Stoops, Dave Clawson, guys like that that know how to build programs. That's that's where I would look. And not to talk about Wake Forest in a way of like, hey, these are the programs that are gonna come steal your coach. Obviously we don't want that. Uh football is good when Wake Forest is good as well. Like just the same as when LSU is good. But same hang on now. You've got to you've got you've got to but you gotta pay those guys, right? Right. Like right. I know you're Wake Forest, I know you're a small school. You make a good amount of money in the ACC. You're not you're not the SEC schools, but but you're you're still making a lot of money. If North Carolina rolled in and Mac Brown retired and they'd steal your coach away and he doesn't even have to move homes, he just stays in the same state, you know, like like that's on you. That's not on them. Yeah. No, you're you're right. You're hundred percent right. Uh, Syracuse in this game, by the way, 354 yards rushing. That's what did it for him. Uh, Wake only had 96. If you look at the advanced stats, Syracuse wins this game 86% of the time with the, with yeah. the same stats. Uh, it, it was pretty pretty remarkable. But Wake Crazy game. Great game. Plays. I, yeah. Yeah. We, you know, we, but we, you and I kind of thought this was going to be a real exciting game, though. So. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. We, we certainly did. Certainly did. Uh, Wake Forest, by the way, average starting field position, uh, 66.5 for them. So, so they basically started... Um, it, about 35 yard line, like every time, it's right. just insane. Uh, and Syracuse started at like their own 22 on average, which that's a lot of yards to make yeah, up. I was say, that's a big difference, big, big difference for uh, for average field position. Uh, Boise, who uh, we were way off on this one, and I, I, I had. I had somebody that messaged me talking about it being rigged. <laughs> I won't say who, but uh, but BYU, we did not expect this out of BYU. Uh, at all, especially with Jaron Hall coming back and playing. And it, it's not like he played poorly. 22 out of 37, 302 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Uh, Al- Algier, the quarterback, or the uh, the running back, 19 carries, 73 yards, only 3.8 a clip. He did have one touchdown. Um, fumble, fumble, fumble. Yeah, I mean, this was just mistake after mistake after mistake. And pe- yeah, and penalties, yeah. Uh, Daniel jumped in, Winston-Salem to Chapel Hill, one hour and 60-minute drive. Talking about Dave taking over for a uh, for Mac, <laughs> BYU had four turnovers, uh, three fumbles lost, one interception thrown. Uh, it, it they outgained Boise. Uh, Boise is three and three now. They were two and three coming into this game, and it has kind of been routine that BYU just handles them. And the fact that this game was in Provo and it was on ABC, and they looked the way that they did, that was very uh, disheartening. I will say that. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is one of those things where, it, you know, 75 yards and penalties and four turnovers. Like, this is a team that just did not prepare for this game. They, they, I don't care how prepared you were, you, you just were lackadaisical. You, you were careless and, and reckless. And, and you can't do that. You just can't do that, especially against good teams. And while, Boise State hasn't been the Boise State of old, the Boise State that we've seen over the last decade, they're still a really good football team. And if you go into them and you overlook them, you're going to get your ass whipped. And that's what happened in this game. At no point in time did BYU have any control of this game at all. Boise dominated it from start to finish in 75 yards and and, and four turnovers is a killer. No, it absolutely is. But like BYU was up 10 to nothing after the first two drives of this game. Like it looked like BYU was going to run away with this thing. Uh, Boise gets a But that's when the mistakes started making. Yeah, no, no, no. So they they give up a field goal, make it ten to three, and that was a fourteen play, fifty nine yard drive that took five and a half minutes. Like it was it was a beautiful drive. 
BYU had to punt, Boise had to punt, and then BYU fumbles, and you got Boise touchdown, another fumble, Boise touchdown. Boise touchdown? Uh, it just, you know, and then Boise kicks a field goal at the end of the half. Like, it's it, at that point, it was almost like the game was over. Like, That's right. It's just, it's tough. It's very difficult to uh, to maintain that stuff. Uh, let's see, we got a, a few more to hit here. We'll move to the Pac-12. First off, we even more viewers coming in. We appreciate you guys. Uh, like the video for us. Make sure that you subscribe to the YouTube channel and to the podcast. We would appreciate that. Leave a nice five-star review for us. Uh, moving on, like I said, Pac-12, Washington State gets it done, and you and I had questions about this. Washington State 31, Oregon State 24. We worried that the two massive wins for Oregon State might uh, might put a little complacency into that program. What's that complacency? It's, I don't want to use the word complacency, Gary. I just yeah. think at some point in time, teams that play above their head for a while, it's awesome. It's yeah. unbelievable. But they come back down to earth. It, it wouldn't surprise me for them to find a loss in the next game or two, no matter who they play. And I actually think those losses are good because then it kind of, all right, now we got to get back to the grind. What did we do to get where we were? And and we reevaluate things, right? It's exactly what I said was going to happen. It absolutely happened. Jaden Delora, yes. oh boy, Rolo's got him a quarterback, baby. How how in the world did Jared Garantano ever start for this team? Like, how did that ever make sense? Like, it, I, I, all the rest of these guys are young, and Rolo didn't know who he had, and so he just played the oldest, most experienced guy. Uh, Delora, thirty-two out of forty-six, three hundred ninety-nine yards, three touchdowns, one interception. He, he um, was he was a fraction of an inch away from from four yard, four hundred yards, yeah. three TDs. Man, he Rolo's got. If Rolo can get a quarterback, things get crazy up there. If you don't have a quarterback, they're pretty easy to beat up on. No, no, you you got that right. Chance Nolan, by the way, one of the most efficient passers in the country heading into the game. 11 out of 25, 158 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, B.J. Baylor still had a day. 18 carries, 145 yards. Uh, Deshaun Fenwick had 15 carries, 127 yards rushing. Uh, both of those averaged over eight yards a carry, and had uh, Deshaun had two touchdowns. So, I, you know, it, you still had a shot late in this game to come back and tie it. Uh, fourth and ten, you know, it, near the red zone or in the red zone. I don't even remember where it was. I, I had the game on for a split second. But going back and trying to watch a little bit of it this morning, like Washington State basically like, took over in the second half and just, yeah. Uh, Larry said Delara has been injured. He did pretty decent last year. He was injured for a little bit last year too. Yeah, I was about to say, he's he's kind of hasn't had a healthy season yet. Yeah. Yeah. Can he stay healthy the rest of this season? Because that's their I think that's their only chance of being competitive in these Pac twelve games. Yeah, I I do wonder about that. He's uh he's six foot and hundred and ninety pounds. He's a sophomore from Honolulu, and I mean he just he just he's awesome. He's awesome when he's healthy, for sure. Uh Angelo jumps in. George is gonna beat Kentucky by at least twenty one points. You that would not shock me, but it also wouldn't shock me if Kentucky made a game of it. So uh Virginia, thirty four Louisville 33, I wanted to hit on this because Louisville seemed like they had this game uh, ready to roll and and just <laughs> 21 to 3 in the fourth quarter for Virginia. Louisville came out and scored 20 points in the third quarter. That won, won that quarter 20 to nothing. And this was just back and forth. I mean, just incredible football. Virginia, the way that they have shifted their offensive philosophy, they are throwing the football all over the place. Brennan Armstrong, which 
you would have never convinced me that he was going to be like a massive, massive quarterback. And 40 out of 60, 487 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. And Virginia only had 35 yards rushing on 25 attempts. Like, it's Bronco Mendenhall knows we don't have the dudes to be able to run the football. So we're just going to shift the game plan, and we're just going to throw it every time. Sure. And and it works. Like, Well, it works against teams like Louisville. I mean, it works yeah. against teams that can't play defense that when you go one-dimensional. But, but so what are, it's tough. What are the expectations, you know, with with the Cavs? Like, I, the the Wahoos. Oh, I not a lot. Yeah, like, no, it's a, you know, it's a great thing. I'm just so like my LSU Tigers are one dimensional. Also, we can't run the football; we just throw the ball. But it did, in the SEC, you get killed. In the ACC, eh, no big deal. No biggie. Like find a way to make it work. Uh, Malik Cunningham yeah. played pretty well in a loss: seventeen out of twenty five, two hundred seventy uh, yards. My, that's my guy too, man. I think this kid is really special. I like watching him play a lot. I just find him likable, and I think he's a great leader. I don't think that team is good. Will Satterfield stay there long enough to build around him? And and because it ain't often you're gonna have a special quarterback now. No, you're you're not wrong about. And I that. think he's uh, special. The rest of that team not very special. He's a he's a junior, so he's got like one year. He's he's you know from Montgomery, Alabama. Does he? I, I don't. I, I think that he'll stick around for his senior season. I don't think he's. Oh a yeah, I don't for think he's pro. going. No. Uh, Hassan Hall, by the way, Louisville running back, 14 carries, 162 yards, averaged 11.6 a clip with one touchdown. Uh, just ridiculous. So, uh, Tyler Harrell, by the way, four, uh, sorry, two receptions for 100 yards with one touchdown. He had a 92-yard touchdown in this game. Pretty awesome. All right, got a couple more that I want to hit. Uh, UTSA. UTSA 52, Western Kentucky 46. And, brother, uh, we, we called this one, but... Maybe didn't expect this many points. I, I, I did feel like UTSA was going to be able to run the football, but it was yeah, not running that, that got him. Sincere McCormick had a day, 23 carries, 120 yards, but he he had to catch two passes for 22 yards. This was more so Frank Harris, 28 out of 38 passing, 349 yards, six touchdowns, and one interception. God. Bailey Zapp, by the way, the, the Houston Baptist kid that transferred over, 38 out of 60 <laughs> yeah. passing, 523, Five touchdowns, one interception. Uh, this was all 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 gas, no breaks, right? <laughs> yeah. It, what the only thing I thought of when I when I saw this final final, I was grateful. I had them. I had a lot on them, and I thought, well, that'll be the last time I'll get this this year. They're not going to be catching points the rest of the year, in my opinion. Um, I don't. I, I just you're just not going to get that. They're going to be. They're going to have to play from the front now. They're going to have yes. to play as a favorite. Uh, UTSA got outgained 670 yards to 564. Didn't uh, matter. Didn't matter because didn't like matter. they they found a way to make it work. And right. I mean, cheers to it. Uh, this was uh, it was pretty crazy. Uh, Post game win expectancy, like even with losing the yardage battle by like 130 yards, uh, they still had a post game win expectancy of 76. percent So they they did fairly well. Did fairly well. Uh, moving on. Georgia Tech 31, Duke 27. Now, the only reason I bring this up is because I, I like for good things to happen to Georgia Tech. Like, I, I've kind of, I'm kind of in the tank for Jeff Collins a little bit. I spoke highly of him, uh, you know, heading into uh, really when he was hired because I thought that he'd be able to turn around that program. And thus far, uh, three and three on the season, two and two in conference, found a way to win this game late. There was a, uh, let me, let me look up this play by play. Um, let's see. Larry said, fellas, did you see USC head coach after not getting onside kick with 50 seconds? Utah takes a knee. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
Yes, I saw that. Uh, it, no, I, there's a reason why he's not going to be the head coach. I'll just say that. The reason he won't be the head coach. So, Georgia Tech scores a touchdown with 51 seconds left. 36-yard pass from Jeff Sims to uh, to Sanders. It was an 88-yard drive in 51 seconds. This was, if you just enjoy college football, and you're not worried about rankings, and you're not worried about like the best athletes and whatever else, this was a glorious football game. This is two yes. teams that really, really wanted to win. And cheers to Georgia Tech for getting it done. Uh, if you look at team stats and whatnot, uh, 440 yards for Georgia Tech, 489 for Duke, uh, 297 yards passing for Georgia Tech, which is not typically how they win games. They, they found a way to get it done. 292 passing for Duke, 197 yards rushing for Duke, and 143 for Georgia Tech. Uh, this was like... Georgia Tech lost the turnover battle, still won the game. And and you, it doesn't get much better than that. They, they lost the time of possession, 35 minutes to 25. I These kind of games are the ones that, that make it flip for a program like Georgia Tech. It, it doesn't matter that it was Duke on the other side. It was, you found a way to win a game where it looked like you were going to lose. Right? Right. And that's it. You, you need to be able to learn to win games. This is the perfect spot. The perfect spot. And finally, last one that I wanted to hit, Chris. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that you watched some of this because it was a lot of fun. SMU 31, Navy 24. Yeah, I watched a lot of it. Navy. Since turning over to uh, Ty Lavatai, I hope I said that right, <laughs> since turning turning the offense over to him at quarterback, they have been significantly better. Um, but if you look at the yardage in this game and everything else, the fact that that Navy was able to stay in this game was a bit surprising. Uh, but SMU turned the football over twice. Um, the the total yardage here, Navy only had 241 yards of total offense to SMU's 404. They only had 177 yards on, on the ground. Navy did. Out of 53 carries, they averaged 3.3 per rush. But they only gave up 2.8 yards per rush to SMU, who has been pretty good on the ground. Uh, remember, SMU had like 350 yards on TCU on the ground. This was, uh, like, I, I had a feeling this was going to go this way. I, it was one of my best bets. I had Navy plus 13 and a half. Um, I, I just felt Navy has been playing better since the bye week, right? They had a bye week in week three, came back out, and has looked significant, uh, significantly better. They, they beat UCF last week, and this week, you know, came this close to SMU. SMU, by the way, still undefeated. Yep. And and I think that's very important for Cincinnati. Now we didn't we didn't talk Cincy because obviously they thrashed Temple on Friday night. No, there's nothing to talk about. But this was, you know, you need the AAC to have good teams. SMU appears to be a pretty good team. Um, you know, you got a you got a thought on this one. No, it's just that it was a big game, fun game. Um, more exciting than I thought it would be. We haven't seen Navy be this fun in a long time. Michael jumped in. He said, Gary's drunk. Navy stinks. Uh, Navy is one and four, but I'm telling you, teams do have the ability to improve over the season. They looked awful really, in the first two weeks. But, really good chance that they're two and four next week. Who uh, who they got next week? I don't even look. They're at Memphis for a Thursday night football game. Uh, yes. And now, after that, they've got Cincinnati, Tulsa, Notre Dame, and then East Carolina, Temple, and Army to close. Then, then talk about that. Talk about oh, next week. Talk about next they're week. Playing a, they're playing a dead-ass Tiger team. Uh, Memphis is definitely... 
I didn't even put Memphis and Tulsa on here, but we shouldn't. You shouldn't. They, they don't deserve being talked about. No, Beating Memphis, that team is nothing special. Memphis They're is just bad. Three and three now. Three and three, and uh, and have lost three straight since beating Mississippi State at home. The the same Mississippi State team that turned around and went to Kyle Field and beat Texas A and M. The amount of bullshit that it took for them to beat Mississippi State, though, this is the football oh, yes. gods coming and getting your ass. Yes. That's what that is. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Is there anything else you want to hit? That's it, brother. I'm about to piss myself. I've drank this entire thing of water and two cups of coffee. <laughs> hey, we kept it under an hour and a half today, and and with as much as went on, like I'm, I'm it was a big surprised. college football day. It was a big, big college football day. It was. We may not have a week like that again for a while, but uh, no. But who knows? Uh, because every week has amazing. been crazy. Every it week. was. It really was a good week. It really was. All right, you guys have been fantastic. Again, like the video for us if you would so kindly. Make sure you are subscribed to the channel and the podcast. Leave a nice five star review. Uh, the show brought to you by BetUS, where the game begins. Use the promo code NCAAF2021 to get a 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500, and it is sportsbook exclusive. It ain't for, like, the online casino, all that kind of shit. So go ahead and make sure and sign up at BetUS. Larry said, thanks, guys, for an awesome morning. Jim John said, good show. Hey, we appreciate you guys. We appreciate yeah. you. Y'all make the show go. Uh, this is the the best hour and a half of our weeks. It is a lot of fun to get up and do this on Sunday mornings and kind of rehash what has happened so check out the sbr college football show with chris check out the bet us college football show with me and uh, gentlemen we are going to get out of here chris hell of a morning hell of a weekend we got some nfl games that we got to get to so uh with that said you guys take care of yourself take care of each other and hopefully all of your tickets cash today thanks for checking out winning cures everything if you want to keep up with us hit subscribe on youtube or your favorite podcast app visit the website at winningcureseverything.com or you can like us on facebook or follow us at winning cures at gary wce or at chris b giannini on twitter share out the show leave a nice review and make sure to comment and tweet at us when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.